From lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota and SixFootMama.com, this is Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling. Still Growing is a gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jennifer Ebling. Well, this is my New Year's Eve bonus show. I can't believe we've made it to the end of the year, and I'm, oh, Sonny just tipped over the calendar in the office. He got startled, I think, during his little nap here in the office, and he knocked over my calendar. I have a big whiteboard calendar in the office where I can look at the episodes that I have planned for the coming month. And uh, he's he's a lab golden, and he's got the big lab tail that thwaps against everything, and he just really thwapped against that calendar and knocked it over. Now he's disgusted with me, and he just got up and left the room. So there you go. Well, anyway, welcome to the Still Growing Podcast. And this week, I'd like to especially welcome new members to our listener community in Facebook. There is a Facebook group for listeners and guests of the show. And you can find it by looking up the Still Growing Podcast group. And new members this week include Terry Meyer, Jan Carter, Jody Murphy, Vicki Henderson, Karen Johnson, Stephanie Hargrave, Scooter Cesar, Marsha Goldberg, Rhea Smith, Vicki Buffalo, and Mary Ahern. So welcome, you guys, to the Still Growing Podcast group. You know, this is a group that I designed for listeners and guests of the show so that they could come together, interact, share their garden stories, learn from each other. And it's also the place where I go to find winners for any of the giveaways from my guests and sponsors. So if you're ever listening to a show and you hear that the guest is offering something or there's a sponsor and they're giving something away, you've got to be in the Facebook group in order to be eligible because that's where I go to pick lucky listeners and the winners. So go ahead and check it out. I'd love to meet you in the still growing podcast group on Facebook. You know, the group is also a great place for me to stay in touch with listeners of the show in between episodes. And I love to curate content for you guys, things that I find especially interesting as I'm researching what show to do next. I love to read about gardening and horticulture and all things green. And I spend a lot of time in my spare time doing that. So this week, some of the things that I've curated for the week leading into New Year's are really kind of fascinating, perfect end-of-year stories. Let's start out with this first one. I'll give you a sampling of some of the things that made it into the group this week. The first one is from the WA Herbarium, and that stands for Western Australia's Herbarium. It's the state's permanent plant library, and it's constantly adding new species to its records. In fact, Rob Davis, who's a botanist at the facility in Perth, said that it never ceases to be exciting. In fact, they made headlines because they discover, on average, about 50 new wildflower discoveries every single year. One of the pictures that is featured prominently in this article is a new variety of eucalyptus. It's called Eucalyptus crucina. I hope I'm not butchering the last part of that name, but it's found in the gold fields in Western Australia. So you know what eucalyptus looks like. Now imagine that you had one of these fancy chrysanthemum heads, those beautiful flower heads. That's what this eucalyptus looks like. It's it's striking. It almost doesn't look real. It's that gorgeous. So that's in the article. And then talking about how the Western Australia Herbarium actually catalogs all of this flora. It's 
a great article. So that one I was thrilled to share. Last week, I talked to you about Gardenista's Best Gardening Books of 2016. And there was another fantastic article that was featured in The Guardian, and it was by gardening editor Jane Perrone. And she picked her favorite picks for gardening books that she thought should make everyone's Christmas list. So if you did not get a gardening book for Christmas, and you're looking, you're still looking to round out your library or your reading schedule for 2017, check out this list. She gives a wonderful synopsis of books and resources that are unique and very special. So go ahead and check that out. You know, there was an article that caught my eye, actually two articles that I thought were pretty revolutionary as we head into 2017. One was on the Huffington Post, and it started out with the headline, France is doing something amazing with its food. So I was thinking it had to do uh, with something culinary, some recipe, something like that. Instead, what's happened is France is starting to sell what they call ugly produce, the fruits and vegetables that are fine to consume that are either misshapen or bruised. And this program that they've started to sell ugly produce has now reached 13 million people after just one month. And this was posted in the Huffington Post on the 8th of December. So I think this is a revolutionary idea by France. And they said right in the article that the food retail industry is rising to the challenge of food waste through several measures. First, they're doing clearer expiration dates on produce. They're partnering with charities to donate excess foods. And the use of food waste as fuel are among the measures that are being used to change the food industry in France. And here's something that I thought was absolutely fascinating in this article. In February of 2016, so almost a year ago, France declared it illegal for its supermarkets to throw out food that's nearing its expiration date. The stores have two options. They can either compost it or donate it to charity. Interestingly, France also banned putting expiration dates on certain categories of food like wine and vinegar. How smart is that? Everybody knows that, and yet we still do it. Expiration dates are often random, and they don't necessarily signify when a food may be close to spoiling. I know I've had great conversations about food waste with Deborah Madison and Joel Karsten. Gardeners everywhere know that ugly Produce is still good produce. I was really happy to read about this, and I shared the article in the Facebook group. You know, another thing that caught my eye, especially for New Year's Eve, is this article called 15 Best Edible Flower Plants to Add Food and Flavor to Improve Health. And then, of course, in this article, they have all of these beautiful drinks that have parts of flowers floating around in the drink. So you've got to check that out if you're planning to do any type of special holiday drink for your New Year's party. Speaking of getting crafty, there is a really neat post that was shared many years ago, probably about five years ago, by Wedding Bee Photo Gallery. And they shared their article for how to make amazing lifelike roses with coffee filters. You've got to see this post if you're crafty and you like to make your own floral arrangements. They call the post a heavy tutorial with tips, and it's loaded with information. So if you're into making your own floral stems, this is a great post, and the flowers look amazing. You know, Apple made the news in December with two important announcements. One is that they just entered into an agreement with the world's largest wind turbine maker for clean energy, which I found very interesting. And of course, this is a facility in China. Specifically, it's called Gold Wind. These wind power farms will likely assist Apple in providing clean energy to its many iPhone manufacturing facilities in the region. 
And of course, Apple is a huge proponent of clean energy. Along with that, Apple is building a brand new campus. It's called Campus 2. And they're finishing up construction. It looks amazing. And they shared a video at the end of November, on November 29th, they shared a video taken by a drone that was flying over this Campus 2. And you'll never guess, this campus looks like a huge donut. It's a big circle. And then they have this amazing glass installed atrium and landscaping all around. It looks like something out of a movie. It almost reminds me of some of the scenes from the Jurassic Park videos that were shot when they would fly overhead of this island and then the facility on the island. That's how cool the Apple Campus 2 construction project is. And I would love to talk to the person that's in charge of the atrium for the Apple Campus 2. That would be super cool. I stumbled on a gentleman by the name of Steve Slocum this week, and he is a photographer. He takes flower photography, but what's unique about the way Steve does it is that he allows the viewer to experience what it would look like to take pictures of flowers if you were Alice in Wonderland. He has a creative mind and the many tools of a dedicated photographer, and he had been on a quest to find a unique way of capturing nature that took him back to his childhood. And he said in this article that as a child, his parents would read him Alice in Wonderland, and he marveled at the thought of being able to find such a magical land. And he wrote in his artist statement, Find it I did here in the wilds of Montana by uncovering a new way to get striking close-ups of curious wildflowers that inhabit these fascinating places. So what he does is he has perfected the art of developing a technique that he used to capture that world from the perspective of a six-inch tall Alice. You have to see some of his pictures. I have looked him up on Facebook and online, and his images are amazing. And people are responding to this unusual perspective and the vibrant colors of his photographs. People tell Steve all the time that they've never seen anything quite like his pictures before, and people are just blown away. And he says that his fans are not just garden club folks. They're everyday people. He said he had a guy walk into his booth one day that was a truck driver, and he said this guy was just in awe. So I shared this article in the Facebook group, but if you don't get a chance to go in there, at least remember the name Steve Slocum. He is awesome. Well, in the edibles world, there were two articles that caught my attention. The first is something that appeared in Women's Health. They tested five methods to keep lettuce from wilting, and there's one that actually worked. And I'm going to save you the heartache of reading through to the very bottom of the article and tell you not to give away your salad spinner as you're clearing out your kitchen and you're trying to make room for some of your Christmas presents. Don't donate that salad spinner because that was the winner. That was the one way that they found the best way to keep lettuce from actually wilting. And there was a great piece on the six adaptogenic herbs that will give you the brain boost you need. And of course, there's turmeric and grapeseed extract and green tea. And then there were three that I had never heard of before. That's in the Facebook group this week as well. Well, for today's show, I'm offering an encore of my interview with Katie Dubow of the Garden Media Group as we go through their Garden Trends Report for 2017. It was a perfect show to end the year with, and the theme is Grow 365. Garden Media researches global consumer trends to see what's happening from home design to fashion. They talk with their media sources and gardening exports worldwide, and then they do 
do a little bit of prediction, reading tea leaves, peering into their crystal ball to see what's going to be happening in the world of gardening. And I have such a funny story because the other night I was walking Sunny, and I always talk to my mom when I'm walking the dog. And so we were talking, and she goes, Jen, I have to tell you, I just heard about this fantastic thing that's happening in Japan, and there's a term for it. And I said, um, Mom, is it forest bathing? And she's like, yes, how did you know about it? And I said, well, I just talked to Katie Dubow, and it was in my episode on the Garden Trends Report. So busted. In any case, if you missed that episode, like my mom, this is your chance to hear it again. And here's Katie Dubow with the 2017 Garden Trends Report with a whole lot of good stuff for 2017. Well, hello, Katie. Hi, Jennifer. Excited to be here. Well, I'm excited, too, because I have wanted to get someone on from Garden Media Group for a while to cover the Garden Trends Report. And we're going to be going through the 2017 Garden Trends Report. It's hot off the press. Hot off the press, right. A fantastic opportunity. And before we start chatting about the report, why don't we have you tell us about yourself and what you do for your company, Garden Media Group? Well, sure. Um, so thanks again for having me. I'm really excited to talk about our trends report today. Um, we are, Garden Media Group is a second-generation business. Uh, my mom, Susie McCoy, started it, I'm not going to say the, the year, but back when she put me on the bus to kindergarten. <laughs> and um, since then, it has just boomed and been um, a wild success. Now we're, we are a full-service boutique PR firm. We work with um, clients in the lawn and garden industry and we, we have like-minded clients, so people that we like to think are doing the right thing for the environment. A lot of people would imagine all garden companies are, um, but we like to choose just the best. And so we work to help them build their reputations, get their word out, um, really reach their customer in the way that they want us to. And, of course, um, we put together our trends report, which is one of the most widely read in the industry, and um, that's just been a lot of fun for us because, you know, it helps our clients, it helps retail businesses, and it helps consumers just by staying ahead of the trends. And so that's a really fun part of what we do. And how about yourself? Tell us about yourself. So I am, so I started working here for the second time around. The first time I was about six and I was licking envelopes, <laughs> um, but in stuffing them. And when we used to send out press releases via the mail, but um, I started here about five years ago again, and I moved back to, we're in Kennett Square, which is where Garden Media is located, which is, we like to call the garden capital of the world, actually. It's a really fun place. Uh, where is Kennett Square? Kennett Square is in Pennsylvania. Okay. It's the southeast of Philadelphia. Okay. And we have 30 public gardens within 30 miles of Philadelphia. So oh, wow. It really is a green, rich community, and... A lot of people from the industry come here just on vacation to travel and see our garden. So we get a lot of people coming in and out of our office. I I have a daughter. She's two. And we I'm getting her cooking and getting her picking tomatoes in the garden and already uh, nurturing that second generation of a gardener because we know how important kids are in, in carrying on our mantle. So um, that's just been a really fun fun activity for us at home. Oh, that's lovely. I do the same thing with my four. I don't force it on them, but I do try yeah. to weave them in to the garden whenever I can, whether it's, you know, go pick some greens for, you know, a salad we're going to make for supper or especially planting. John's always yeah. around if there's, you know, planting radish or planting anything. He's always fascinated by that. Oh, so that's great. And with four, that's a lot of free hands. It's a lot of free hands, but I tell you <laughs> what, my secret is I hire student gardeners because, Ooh. you know, the gardens are a lot of work and I have a huge garden so every year I put together a big team of student gardeners and we work we work really hard so but it makes a difference and then I have enough gas in my tank left to come in the house and make supper and all the things that I need to do otherwise you can really run yourself ragged out there so Um, well hey the trends report is so anticipated every year I know for myself I've wanted to talk to you guys for a couple of years now so I'm so thrilled that it's actually happening and this is something that you guys have done since 2001 yes that's a long time I know it is it's hard to believe that it's been that long um we look back over past trends reports and you know people will talk about 
vegetable gardening or fairy gardening. I'm not sure if you know, yes. you're into that. Sure. Um, but, you know, these are things we've predicted years before they happened, and it's really fun uh, to go back. In fact, on our blog, we have a, um, look, a look back, and we look back at our past friends, and we say, oh, in 2004, we predicted fairy gardening, and look where it is today. Wow. So uh, it's fun to look back and see that some of the things we predicted, most of the things we predicted actually do come true. Wow. Well, how much work actually goes into producing this report, and how is it that you're able to spot trends? Yeah, it, it is a lot of work, and I appreciate you asking that question. Um, it's something that takes us about a year to produce. So we have just wrapped our 2017 report, and it's you know like a, like a garden, actually. You're never really finished, and so there comes a point where we have to say, okay, we're done. I spoke on Saturday. I presented to a group of um, garden industry professionals. And so we had to be finished by Friday. And Friday morning, we were finished uh, because it's just it, it's a process that can, can really never end. So it does take us about a year. And so now we're already starting on 2018. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a long process. And what we do is, you know, we collect information on a global scale. A lot, of, a lot of trends start in Europe, um, and particularly in this country, a lot of trends start on the West Coast. And so what we need to do is we need to keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on, and, you know, not in gardening, in fashion, in home decor, um, every industry, technology, particularly now with technology in the garden. So we, we subscribe to the magazines, we look at all the trends reports, we, we follow podcasts of people that we admire, and we collect that information over the year. Um, and then we talk to some of our trusted media sources and the garden experts. Um, we interview them to see what they're seeing. Uh, we talk to some of our clients to see what new kinds of new products that they're seeing their consumers are wanting that they're coming out with. Um, and then, of course, there's a little tea reading, um, little crystal ball reading. And like you said, since 2001, Susie's been doing this, and you know our team here has been predicting trends. So we have to just learn to trust our instincts and say, yeah, this is something that we can we can feel is going to be a trend based on this research and then based on our instincts. What an interesting combination of things that you're doing to put this together. Yeah, it, that's why I think it takes a year, too. <laughs> yes. When you are uh, putting together the report, do you think of like a, a term or a phrase or a title for this every single year? Is there some type of mantra then that becomes the the saying for that year? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And one of uh, my colleagues claimed to fame is she's come up with the title for the last three years. Oh. So it's, uh, it's a big deal in our office because it sets the tone. It's something that we use in all of our press releases. We use that title over and over and over again, and it becomes something that represents the trends report. So it's, it's separate from the report, the content and the meat of the report. It really needs to wrap up the report but give, you know, like a, like a title of a book or the title yes. of email subject line. Um, those kinds of things introduce the reader to what they're going to see. And so it is very important to us. We do spend a lot of time trying to, you know, whittle it down and, and um, come up with the perfect, perfect little couple of combination of words. Well, the pressure's on, right? You've got to yeah. see if you can come up with the winner here now. Yep. This, this year's uh, title is Grow 365. I love hearing you say it. What, what that really embodies is that we see we're in this industry, and, and when, you know, when our business is good in public relations, we know that the garden industry is, is doing well. Huh. And so we do see a lot of growth to come in this industry. Um, but the biggest growth that we see is um, when gardening can, you know, we're in the many regions, particularly where you and I both live, we are, it's, a seasonal, it's a seasonal type of activity. And um, we think the biggest growth in our industry is going to come when we can interface with all 320 million Americans in this country year-round, when everybody can garden every day, anywhere. And so that is going to be an opportunity for gardening to be more relevant. And, you know, that's what our category needs is relevancy in people's everyday lives. We need to be necessity. Uh, the, the term plants aren't just a pretty face, something people say in our industry a lot, but it's true. And we just, uh, you know, I think as, as more people realize, and we'll get into this with the trends report with each trend, but people are realizing the importance of where their food comes from, and it's going to all come back to horticulture. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. 
Now, do you guys uh, hashtag your title then throughout the year as you're seeing things that kind of support what you're seeing in trends? Is it hashtag Grow365? Yep. We do use Grow365, but we also use Garden Trends um, because that that we have seen is a little bit more of a wider use. So we use Grow365 personally, uh, but Garden Trends gets us you know, the, the biggest bang for our buck. Okay. So if listeners have something that they think is a trend, they should just hashtag it Garden Trends and you'll probably see it. We absolutely will. Yep. And we'd love to, you know, share whatever, whatever anyone else is seeing. We'd love to share it. Okay. That's great. Well, out of all the constellations of options available, it was a beautiful crop of succulents that made the cover of the report for 2017. And that made me happy because, of course, they're one of my favorite plants. I think for so many people, right? They're just, yeah, they're, well, semper vivum, right? Always living. They're fantastic. What prompted that choice for the cover of this year's report? Well, I think you just wrapped it up. I mean, you know, look at it. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it is, it is the superstar plant of the decade. I mean, it, it has, which you know, you probably can guess that we predicted that to come, but um, it, succulents are so low maintenance. They are, they're so easy. They're everywhere. And, you know, they really bridge the gap between gardening and home decor. Yes. You see every lifestyle publication, any, any shop, even fashion, succulents are on, on the runway. Succulents are everywhere. Um, so it is something that will help, you know, like Growth 365, it sets the tone of the report. Uh, people see that and they can easily identify with it and, and see that's beautiful. And so they're interested in reading more. They want to turn that page. They do. And, you know, that whole industry around succulents has really grown into home decor because I know for myself, I recently just bought a ton of fake succulents because in Minnesota in the winter, you can't bring those things indoors. They're not going to thrive. But I love the look of them so much that I was buying these artificials going, oh, my gosh, the artificials now are so good. You can't tell them apart from the real ones. I know. I look with envy at the West Coast or the Southern landscapes who have them year round. I know. But they don't get as much water as we do, so there's a balance. Always a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's walk through the seven main points that make up Great. the Garden Trends Report. And the first trend has to do with something that you refer to as peak season. How has technology affected our ability to grow 365 days a year in, in a sense, making every season a peak season? Exactly. Well, that's the word we love is peak here is our key word um, because there's so much to do with that word, um, you know, it def- you don't have a peak season anymore. You're harvesting your vegetables at their peak of their nutrition. So there's a lot of which helps you become the peak of your personal health. So we really love the, the many aspects that that word conveys. Um, but the, the idea of growing indoors is that you control the conditions instead of Mother Nature. And that's just a, a big aspect of gardening. Technology has enabled these products to be self-watering, which, you know, was the number one reason people kill houseplants is they overwater them. (laughs) Um, So these these units will do it for you, or they'll measure whether your your plant needs water, you know, how often you should water it. They'll fertilize for you, or they'll let you know when when you need fertilizer. A lot of people don't even know that their houseplants need to be fed. So it's really, um, the technology has evolved so much that we can grow more successfully, but also more efficiently. And I think that with this trend, this, this global uh, real estate trend, people are downsizing. The McMansions are no longer, you know, it's, this is five years old news. People are no longer really living in McMansions. They're living in smaller spaces. That's right. And so if, yeah. And if, so if we want them to keep gardening in their lives in these smaller spaces, we're going to need to to have new technology and new systems that can help them do that. Well, and bring the small space gardening indoors, right? Exactly. Yeah, so there's a, a product from a company called Optom Farm. It's called a grow box. And you open it, a couple snaps will open the arms, and you press a, you fill it with water and press a button. And uh, we're calling these systems plant, pick, and plate because that's all you need to do. They do the rest for you. So it's um, one touch of a button type of growing that is is really you know the information really has just has just exploded you know and it's you you asked about technology but it's not just the technology that's exploded and helping people garden more successfully it's the availability of information like your podcast mm-hmm. like YouTube 
you know, you really can find so much information on the Internet now that um, anybody can learn to grow something that they want to grow. Your point is valued, and we're also uh, able now to kind of debunk some of the garden myths that have been circulated where before I think it was harder to do that because you're trying absolutely. to find good quality information about growing. So, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, the next trend is a favorite of mine when it comes to the life giving benefits of connecting with nature, and it's something you call wellness hotspots. This yeah. whole area is really a counterpoint to our high tech lives, which is another reason why I love it. So, Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, last year's report, we actually, um, we, we talked about finding bliss in nature by being disconnected from technology. And this year, what we're really seeing is that, you know, people are not going to get disconnected from their technology. Their phones are attached to their hips. And so we need to learn how to incorporate technology into, you know, people's lives while they're still in nature. Um, I think that the Pokemon Go craze might best exemplify this. How can we get people outside? Oh, you're right. That's a great point. Because we know the research shows people just the benefits of being in nature. Whether you're looking at your phone or not, I'm not here to debate that. Um, but just the benefits of being in nature are, are tremendous. Um, you know, from whether they're sitting on your desk, they're in a nursery, or you're actually standing in the woods, and we call that forest bathing, which is a very old Japanese term. Um, have you heard of that term before? I have. You know, I think about it a little bit like feng shui, because the first time you hear the term forest bathing, you know, it sounds a little strange. It's something that people aren't very familiar with. But literally, it translates into the medicine of being in the forest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it with regard to this trend? Yeah, well, forest bathing is actually an old Japanese term that's been around since the 1980s. And it's one of their cornerstones of preventative medicine, actually, in Japan. And um, to us, we see it as, you know, I was actually at a wedding this summer, and the person officiating the ceremony said, before we get started, I want everyone to take a moment and appreciate it. It was at, our, at an arboretum. Take a moment and appreciate the forest bathing that we will have during the ceremony. And I thought we had, at that point, we had already sort of identified it. And I thought, wow, you know, we're, we're talking about this here. And no one really knew what he was talking about, but it, I was thrilled to hear that. And um, it's just the concept of spending time in nature, which reduces your stress and increases your well-being. And what we're seeing is, you know, yoga is something that came from, from Asian culture, and now it's completely mainstream. Um, we think forest bathing will be the same kind of concept in the next 30 years. I agree. I mean, there's no doubt that we need to spend more time in nature as our world becomes more and more high tech. You know, one of the terms that you also mention in conjunction with this trend in the report is soundscaping. I'd never heard of that before. Yes, so that is a new term to me also. Um, this, this research comes from a man at the Daisy Tree Expert Company named R.J. Laverne. And he did, he's doing a Ph.D. thesis right now on soundscaping. And what he did was he researched, um, there is a, a bug called emerald ash borer that is devastating ash trees in our country. That's right. And so because of this, this widespread um, chopping down of trees that's happening in urban communities because the ash tree is one of the most widely planted street trees in urban communities because it grows fast, it grows tall, and it's pretty relatively inexpensive. And before now, it's had no pests. But so these communities are having to take down maybe 75% of their urban tree canopy. And so he decided to look at what that does to the noise levels in those communities. So when you take down those trees... You know, it does seem obvious to us now that we're talking about it, but of course the, the street traffic volume goes up. You hear more sirens, you hear more horn honking, and you hear less birds. And what that does, his research has proven to show that that uh, decreases our overall quality of life. It increases stress levels and it affects our mental health, but most importantly what he has seen is that it um, decreases our ability to focus. And so, you know, in a big city like New York, where you barely hear a bird chirping, um, it, you know, your ability to focus is greatly decreased. You know, the whole yeah. focus on, on audio 
and combining audio with focus. There is that one app that came out a few years ago, and it's called Focus at Will. I don't know if you've heard about it, but if you download this app onto your phone, they have studied what sounds help people attend to things with more clarity and purpose. And that's what this whole Focus at Will app is about. So if you download it, they have a number of free songs that you can listen to that if you're playing it, it will help you focus while you're working on homework or something in the office. I used to play it for my kids when they were doing homework. Um, And you can pick like classical music or nature sounds, but they've engineered it to help you focus, to enhance your ability to focus. And this sounds so much like that. That's fascinating. What's that gentleman's name again? R.J. Laverne with the Dating Free Expert Company. Yeah, it really is. And he actually hasn't even finished. That research is happening right now um, because he, as communities are affected across the country from Emerald Ash Borer, he goes and he visits new communities to see how it it affects them. So I do believe that his research will be wrapped up in 2017. So um, that's something I will keep your listeners posted on. Oh, that'd be great. You know, there's another part of your report under wellness hotspots that has to do with trees. And that is something that you call nature sunscreen, because trees provide more than just shade to keep people in homes cool. They're actually minimizing the harmful effects of UV rays on the skin. So you're referring to trees as nature sunscreen. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, sometimes in the garden we see beautiful plants and flowers, um, but we tend to ignore the trees. And so we try to really look at what, there are so many benefits of trees. Um, And so what we try to do is help people, you know, think about what's important to them. Now, wrinkles are certainly important to me, um, (laughs) but, you know, skin cancer is the number one cancer in our country. So it's, it's so important to protect ourselves from the sun and trees help us do that. And so we're calling them nature sunscreen because it helps people make a connection between their own personal health care and these trees that we're planting in our gardens. So that's something that's really hit home outside of the garden industry um, when we talk to, you know, people who might not necessarily even have a garden. It helps them see trees for the real, some of their real true benefits. That's great. Well, I have to admit that I'm a little wild and woolly when it comes to my own garden. (laughs) So when I read about Trend 3, I got a little tense because the title is Tidy Gardens. And I cringed just a little bit because it reminded me of the whole decluttering craze for the home. And then sure enough, I look and you're referencing that that book about the Japanese art of decluttering. Yeah, have you read it? I haven't. I have read excerpts and I've, I've heard about people talking about it. And I, I think one of the things she recommends, right, is that you get up and you is that you have a clean sink every day or there, or you make your bed every day. There's something you do to kind of set yep. the tone. And the minute I heard that, I'm like, oh, man, I am so out of there me. because with four kids, <laughs> I wake up every morning like I'm going to war. It's like I get up. Somebody's <laughs> usually screaming at me to get up. And then it's like, Mom, we've got uh, this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh. And we hit the ground running. So yeah. be- beds are not made around here. And the garden gets a little out of control control at times. But it is a trend that you're seeing. You're seeing this uh, decluttering now go from the home to the garden. People want tidier spaces outside. Yes. And certainly to be clear, this is not for everybody. I think um, the success of her book shows that though to me, you know, tidy gardens doesn't have to mean trimmed hedges and clean corners. Yes. Um, But I think what the success of her book shows is that people are simply looking for reduced consumption. You know, we talked about this downsizing trend and small spaces. And so people just don't have as much stuff. And if they do, it's becoming a bit of an issue for them. And so it's really just in finding that peace or finding that bliss in in having experiences and not necessarily in your stuff. So, um, but again, might not work for everybody, but when we saw, and you know, in our office, we've gotten her book and we've read it and, um, it does not work for everybody because it requires a lot of discipline. Yes. Uh, but there is something to be said for the success of it. And so if people are looking for that on a global scale, then how is that applied to the guards? And so we did come up with a certain number of ways that, you know, we took what her pillars were and that is, you know, 
you have one hairbrush. Why do you need six hairbrushes? So how can we translate that into the garden? And, you know, we really did think that it, it related. I love that. So you are taking, you'll even look at, at current books that are popular and then extrapolate that into the garden. Absolutely. Yeah. What, you know, it's, it's taking those trends that are outside of our industry and seeing how they relate to our industry. We'll talk about one that's mm-hmm. actually my favorite in a little bit. Um, but that's, that's really, that's the key to it is that, you know, our industry is not a silo. Yeah. How, how, how are what other people doing successfully translates to help make our industry more successful as well. I love it. Well, and for people who are interested, this book that we've been referencing is by Marie Kondo, and it's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And yeah, so and it's if, very small. It's a very little book, but yep. it has been referenced a lot. So if you, if you haven't heard about it, that's the book we're referring to. So then when you were creating your pillars for Tidy Gardens, that was kind of echoing her pillars for tidying yeah. up. So why don't we have you walk us through the eight pillars to tidy up garden spaces. By the way, I think these are all great reminders. I'd love to, and I hope you don't cringe throughout them. I, you know what? I, I, you- I don't. I, I think when I first heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, what, <laughs> what's going to yeah. happen to me now that I have to do? But then when I saw what you're suggesting, I actually do these things. So, Or I do a, a pretty fair amount of them, I should say. And there wasn't anything on here that I heard that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. that. But it's a good reminder of, you know, tips and tricks that you can do to make your space look better. Yes. And number one is clear out the clutter. And so I think that, you know, particularly garden enthusiasts, um, they keep and think that we can keep alive anything. Um, And we'll save it just because, you know, maybe someone gave it to us. But if a plant is dead, you need to get rid of it. And you need to get rid of things that you don't need. You have six pruning shears. Get rid of them. So clear out the clutter is number one. Number two is something that she talks about a lot in the life-changing magic of tidying up is keep what you love. So you really, you really have to take a hard look at it and say, how does this make me feel? And so what we did with that is we said, okay, keep what you love, but also what loves your garden. Mm. It's the concept of right plant in the right place. Sometimes it may have been a great plant, but you just didn't have the right soil or it wasn't planted in the right sun and it's not doing well. And so, you know, get rid of it. Plant the right plant in the right place. The third one is out with the old, in with the new. So purging plants that are past their prime. Um, Or, you know, we all have planted something a few years ago and it's now outgrowing its space. Divide those plants. Give them space to grow and space to thrive and give them to your friends who might need to, you know, start their own garden. That's a great tip. Number four is thin your garden. And so it's about getting your plants under control. And so it's it's kind of the concept of dividing, but also the concept of if you haven't pruned those hedges, maybe they could use some pruning, you know, just to make it look good, but not necessarily to make everything look like a formal garden. The next one is to eliminate harmful synthetic fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides. And so this goes back to our clean garden concept. And so there are a lot of alternatives and options for people. They don't have to use chemicals. Um, So often these chemicals are overused, in fact, and we use too much of them because in our society we think, oh, well, more is better. Um, And so, you know, it's not necessarily that the chemical is bad, but maybe we're just using too much of it. It's running off into the water. So um, one of those clean and tidy concepts we're saying is just, you know, go, go natural. And then respect your belongings. So you've chosen the best. You've chosen only what you love. Now take really good care of them. You keep your tools looking good. You keep your plants healthy. You really have your best garden face forward. And the seventh one is to create some boundaries and define spaces. Now this is, you know, you have a, a little garden next year seating arrangement that could be a bug repellent garden or you have something at your entryway that is when you rub against the plants they all have a very welcoming sense so again it doesn't have to be very clean corners it's just that you're creating very specific spaces for specific purposes I love that. Then, you know, I yeah. just had interviewed uh, Tara Nolan, and she's the uh-huh. author of Raised Bed Revolution. Yep. That's one of the points that she mentioned. And I think when people think about raised bed gardening, they don't always think of the clean lines that they get when they go to raised bed gardens. So that's yeah. a great way to quick quickly organize your garden space. 
And it's raised beds are so much easier because you get to put all your own healthy soil in there. So that is a great point. I love Tara. And then the final one is to use a restricted palette of plants um, and hardscaping. So a lot of times there is actually a a home in my neighborhood that has six different types of driveway materials that they use. And I always laugh when I drive by or walk by. Um, And so it can be a little distracting when you have too many things going on at once. So part of this tidy garden concept is just to, you know, limit yourself a little bit. A little bit. That's right. That's basically it. Well, I see that wasn't so bad for tidy garden (laughs) advice. That's all doable. And it's good stuff, though, to be reminded of, too, because we do forget. Right. And it will help you be a better gardener. I think it's, it's the bottom line. Help your plants. They'll be healthier. You'll be happier. Well, and along these lines, this leads right into the next trend, which is the whole clean gardening mantra for the fourth trend. And the number of people that are drawn to clean garden every year, I think, continues to grow. I kind of think about it in the same way I think we used to think about soda or pop. You know, it was so prevalent when I was growing up. And now, you know, my kids just are not uh, drinking pop in the same way that, you know, that we did. Uh, And of course, I said pop because I'm in the Midwest here, but I know some (laughs) other people say soda, but, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah. it's it's going by the wayside. I think when people are, are learning more that there are other methods and there is so much information out there, then, you know, they're willing to give those things a try. So why don't you define this area for us, this trend, and then share some of the ways that we can make our gardens safer for our families, pets, and the environment. Yes, absolutely. You are 100% on, and I'm so happy. With a two-year-old, I'm so happy to hear you say that soda is not so popular anymore. No. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, although we're doing potty training right now, and (laughs) we do use a treat for potty training, but I'm sure that will pass. Of course, Uh, yes. We used to keep a little jar of Skittles in the bathroom. I know, this is so disgusting, but that's where they were. We had to have that reward. you don't do it anymore, right? No, oh my gosh. We're we're all done with it, Katie. Yes, we're all done. (laughs) So, um, but like you said, the demand with all the information, it is now impossible to ignore. And so this demand for clean food is something that's here to stay. I don't see that as a trend. You know, sometimes we see things such as fairy gardening, some, some would say, some might argue, but that it, you know, it, it, it has come, it reached its peak, and now it's sort of waning. Clean gardening is not something like that. It is here to stay. Uh, the labels, you know, cage-free, pesticide-free, GMO-free. Mm-hmm. People are demanding to know where their food comes from yes. and what's in it. So, um, you know, clean and gardening, they're not words that typically go together. Our, our profession is not so clean, which I love about it. Um, but in this term, in this sense, it means using only products that come from natural origin. So you're trying to only grow or put in the ground things that are, are natural, organic, no synthetic. Yes. So, um, and there are a lot of companies that are doing a really great job at this. One company, the Asoma Organic Company, launched a, a program last year called Safe Pause. And the reason that they did that was because behind Christmas, the number one thing that Americans spend their money on is pets. Our pets, exactly. <laughs> Our little four-legged friends, we love them more than anything. Yep. And so, you know, again, like trying to relate trees to our skin, we try to relate the health of people's pets to their lawns. It is the number one number one place that we've put way too many chemicals that in the garden. And, you know, I, I know people love their lawns. Americans love their lawns. You know, we're not here to tell you to get rid of your lawn, but it's just learning and being educated about the hazards of the things that you're putting in your garden, on your lawn, that then are somehow absorbed into either four paws, two feet, um, somehow getting into into your bodies and into your homes, and just educating people about that. And as we know, knowledge is power, and that will really help people make better decisions. Yes. Well, and you had a term in, in last year's report that I hadn't heard before called dogscaping, where yes. you're actually planning spaces with your pets in mind. Well, yeah, because dogs and cats can ruin gardens. Um, and certainly there are some plants that are not good for them. And so you want to make a space where you're both happy, where your animals can run around and run free and dig, and then they're not you know ruining your plants as well. So um, we, you know, Dogscaping and another one, catios, were oh, very popular. Yep, catios. the old catio. 
<laughs> I love that. Well, the fifth trend, Uberizing gardening, made me laugh because I just started ordering my groceries through Amazon's oh, wow. two-hour delivery. That's amazing. It's insane. I order my groceries, and in less than two hours, they're here, and it feels so powerful and magical because they are just they just show up. And I've even tested them. I'm, I'm, I order things like ice cream or I'll order something, you know, really crazy like, a, a, I don't know, a, a power cord for something or a, or a printer cartridge. And I'm getting my ice cream and my everything. It's all together and it's just here so quickly. I can't believe it. And modern conveniences like these are really impacting our lives. And your report says it's going to be showing up in an area that people might not anticipate. And that's the world of gardening. Because you see big changes thanks to things like subscription services and on-demand gardening services. So these things are really going to change the way we garden, aren't they? Yes. And uh, this is the one that I was talking about before. This is my favorite trend because I am guilty of having subscription boxes. I haven't tried Amazon's grocery delivery, but I will certainly now. Um, But I I have a food subscription box. I have a clothing subscription box. I have tried the bark box for my dog. Um, I don't need to spoil my dog that much, but um, I I've tried a, a number of these. And you know, experts say in the next two years, people will have an average of eight subscription services. Really? So that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of subscription services that we are getting on a monthly basis. Wow. Um, and so, you know, like like your example, it's not, they used to say the world's at our fingertips, but it's not necessarily that anymore. Now it's racing towards our front door, and we don't even need to leave the, ha- leave the house. That's right. Yep. Um, so, you know, for gardening, it's a, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. But, you know, I'm sure, have you heard of the reasons, the two biggest reasons people don't garden? You know what they are? Have no idea. Time and knowledge. Time so and knowledge. It's, it's been a forever you know, we've always had a, a conflict, whether it's uh, golf or whether it's soccer, taking kids to soccer practice. Time is is one of our biggest challenges that people don't garden. And then second is knowledge. And this delivery model can solve both of those. And so it's so similar to the food model. People don't know what to cook and they don't know how to cook it. So our model is exactly the same. They offer It can offer a simple and convenient service if you're a beginner. Or, you know, we're trying to, a lot of companies are trying to attract millennials, this buzzword, to the to their um, company. And, if, you know, a lot of people just don't know how to get started. And they can be overwhelmed. There's so many choices, and they just, they just don't know. And so when you get a simple box with a couple products and instructions, it makes it a lot easier. Plus, they offer an experienced gardener, someone, you know, like you or I, who we know a little bit about what we're doing. Yes. We don't need that beginner knowledge, but boy, would I love some unique plants or the opportunity to try, you know, something, a variety that I hadn't tried before or be a test market for a company. So there really, there really is a lot of opportunity in our industry and there are very few people doing it. There are a few seed delivery services, but besides that, it's not the whole gamut. Um, and so there are so many industries, you know, we call it Uberizing because of the popularity of the taxi type of, you know, just call and they're there. Um, but every, almost every industry is getting in the game. They even, I was, when I was researching this one, healthcare, they're having subscription healthcare. So it, it's just, every industry is here and it's time for gardening to get involved. Well, and I love that you point out the link between gardening and cooking, because if we can tap into that, uh, it's just such a natural, you know, connection. You know, if if uh, Blue Apron were to have a, you know, a gardening division, and they, they'll send you the seeds so you can grow your your lettuce for the salad that they want you to make, that would be fantastic. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's it, it just, you know, you don't want you to ask the kids, this is an old example, but when you ask kids where French fries come from, and they say McDonald's. Yeah. We need to make sure people know where their food is coming from, and food and gardening are so, so tied together. Yeah. Well, and and, and also, too, um, I love that you pointed out the knowledge barrier, because the no- having more knowledge about gardening makes it easier, and that ties into the whole time barrier, because if you know yep. better, you do better. So exactly. get spreading the word on things that you can do, steps that you can take to make gardening easier, I think will go a long way to helping people break through those barriers and, and yeah. try gardening. Because if they have success, then they'll do it again next year. That's if they right. If they don't have success, 
They probably won't. Well, and it may mean that they're done, you know, that they'll never do it yep. again because they're like, yep. this was, you know, this was yep. a disaster. So, right. yeah. It's no fun killing something. No, it isn't. It reminds <laughs> me of the time that I uh, I built a retaining wall, a very long, like a 25-foot wow. retaining wall with my husband when we were first married. We got into such a huge fight out there. We started this project <laughs> uh, Memorial Day, and we ended up, we ended in, on Labor Day. And I remember wow. we were standing on this wall, getting into a big fight. We were newlyweds and we went down to the basement. We lived in a split level house and we were both laying on the ground and I said, because it was so hot and of course, you know, the basement's cool and we're laying there and I'm like, why why were we fighting? I can't even remember now. And he's like, (laughs) I don't know. He goes, but I do know this. We will never do something like this on our own again. And from now on, we'll hire it done. And I think people can have a similar experience with gardening. If it goes disastrously, then they're like, that's it. I can't do it and we're over it. Yep. Yeah. True. Yeah. So, well, trend six is a little sassy and you call (laughs) it buzz off. And I first thought it was going to be about pollinators. I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, I happen to live in Minnesota. We've got Marla Spivak at the University of Minnesota leading Mm -hmm. the charge on pollinators. So I hear this all the time. And I thought, oh, this is going to be in the trends report. But it's not about pollinators. This is about mosquitoes. And I was so happy this major trend report because it is a very important issue. You know, earlier this year, I know we're recording in August, but back in July, I got a mosquito bite that rapidly turned into an infection. So not thinking about Zika, not thinking about all the infectious diseases that you can get, but just a simple, you know, insult insect bite that can turn very serious quickly. I mean, insect bites are a big deal. And I have a new appreciation for that after going from being able to walk to 24 hours later, not being able to walk and scared to death I was going to end up in the hospital. I could not believe it. You know, this past summer, Mike McGrath talked to Dr. Fonseca from Rutgers University on his show. And she talked about things like protective clothing and bug repellent and environmental measures that you can take to manage mosquitoes. So, for example, you can use lemon eucalyptus as a bug repellent and also treat containers of standing water with BTI to kill mosquito offspring. But yep. tell us a little bit about some of the things that you think people should be doing as part of getting on board with this trend. Buzz off. Yeah. Well, we did want, I'm glad that you had that first impression because we did want a little bit of play on words. Um, and we have talked about pollinators, you know, in, in five of the last six of our trends reports. And in no way do I, you know, first let me say, I do want to diminish Marla or any of the people's work. And, all, you know, pollinators are still important. Yeah. We want to make sure, you know, we talked about the peak of trends, that protecting pollinators is here to stay. I think yes. that that is something that is at the forefront of people's uh, minds. And so they're important. Yes. But you know, you're right. This is not that. Um there are bugs we don't want in the garden. So, you know, we talked about what we want, but now there are bugs we don't want. And uh, mosquitoes are public enemy number one because, like you said, of Zika. And so right now the, the answer so far has been chemical sprays or I've heard of this new GMO killer mosquito that they're releasing in Florida. So, you know, those options are options, but we don't know what the long-term results of those will be. Are we trading one problem for another? That's right. And um, they, there, are, there are natural solutions. So like you said, bats. Bats can eat an average of 1,000 mosquitoes per hour. So we were going to call this trend Batman to the rescue, but the more research we did, we saw the chickens. Chickens are also really popular mosquito eaters and, you know, they, and other birds. Now they can't 100% solve the problem for you, but there are so many other natural ways to repel mosquitoes and other bugs. Many plants emit chemicals. We talked about a bug repellent garden near your seating area. Um, you know, citronella and lavender, those types of plants will emit chemicals into the air and soil that repel bugs. So there are natural repellents. We just need to make sure that people are educated on what they are to make sure that you're not using those chemical sprays that then in turn harm those beneficial pollinators. Yes. 
That's right. Well, and it is a very scary area. I mean, right as we're recording this, the Olympics are taking place in Rio. And there are athletes that didn't go down. I know Savannah Guthrie at NBC did not go down there because she's pregnant and she did not want to get Zika. I don't blame her. No, me neither. And actually, I'm expecting right now, too. And all summer, it's been something that has been a, a really big fear of mine, and it's a simple mosquito bite. But, yeah. you know, you just, it's something that we don't necessarily worry about in our country. We are very lucky to not have to worry about these kinds of diseases. But um, when it does come here, it, we all really, it makes us realize and open our eyes. Well, that's absolutely correct. Well, the last trend of your report is all about creating a gardening culture in the United States, and you call it gardening love. In this trend, you put the spotlight on two major organizations that are committed to uniting industry professionals, scientists, folks at extension services, and NGOs to increase awareness that gardening is important to creating a healthy life, a healthy community, and a healthy world. Why don't we profile each of these? And the first is the National Initiative for Consumer Horticulture. Introduce us to this group. Yes. Well, we like to say niche for short. Niche. uh, Because that's quite a mouthful. Yes, niche. Um, And niche is a new group. It's in its infancy. But the aim, like you said, it brings together all aspects of the industry, which is something that hasn't happened before. A lot of times we each individually, you know, the government has tried to promote horticulture or a nonprofit has tried to do it or industry. You know, there's a lot of industry campaigns, uh, Just Plant Something is one of them, that have tried to promote the benefits of and value of horticulture. But we think that by bringing all of these organizations together, it creates a unified voice. And um, the goal of, of Niche is to cultivate a passion and appreciation for plants. And, you know, just the people to appreciate the trees, just walk by a plant and look at its pretty little face, um, and in, in doing so will increase demand, and that will raise the whole industry. So that really is, is the goal of Niche, is just to cultivate that passion and appreciation. And the second is Seed Your Future. And I love that this organization is focused on exciting youth about careers in horticulture because we need that. What's the vision here? Yes, well, this is a very forward-thinking organization because it is not about – there are jobs to be had in our industry right now. There are are jobs to be filled that that do not have qualified people to fill them. And so because of that, a number of people in the industry said, well, we need to teach people that this is a viable career opportunity. And so what they are doing is they're visiting, uh, you know, everything from second grade into high school. And so this is nurturing that age group to get excited about a career in horticulture, put a face to the people who have these careers, and let them know that it's in that it's, horticulture is invaluable. You, you know, horticulture is life. Without plants, there is no planet. There is no, there are no people. Um, and so, to really excite people about that, kids about that, and nurture this next generation of people who will be taking up the mantle, taking care of us, taking care of our planet, and um, again, making our industry much more relevant. Well, and there are uh, places that people can go online to find out more about Niche and Seed Your Future, right? Yeah, so Niche's website is consumerhort.org, and Seed Your Future is seedyourfuture.org. Okay. Well, in the time we have left, why don't we wrap up by having you tell us how we can find more information about the 2017 Garden Trends Report if people want a copy of it, and also yes. how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. So our Trends Report is available on our website, which is gardenmediagroup.com, and there's a little tab at the top called Trends, and you will see that beautiful picture of succulents when you click on it, and um, you can download the report there. It's quite a hefty report, so emailing it is just not practical, so people can download it on their own. And then um, people can find me either through our Facebook page, or um, I'm on Twitter, or you can email me directly at katie at gardenmediagroup.com. Um, you know, if you have any questions or, you know, certainly post them on your Facebook group. I will be interacting and answering any questions. And you also said for people to use the hashtag garden trends. And I love you go grow 365 as well. And whatever trends you're seeing out there, um, please do share them and we will share yours as well. 
All right. That sounds fantastic. And you are going to give a giveaway to a lucky listener. Yes. One of the um, things that we love about our trends report is it encompasses so many things. So what we came up with was a little gift pack that kind of covers a number of things in the trends. And so it would just be a little bit of a representation of our 2017 trends, a little piece from each, a little, little sample prize pack of something that will represent 2017. Well, I love that. Well, Katie, I want to thank you for your time today. This was spectacular. We got a chance to go through the entire trend report, and we'll also be looking for these trends as we garden through 2017. Exactly. Please do. This was a lot of fun, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Katie. Well, that's it for the show today. I want to thank my guest, Katie Jubal of the Garden Media Group for being my guest and walking us through the Garden Trends Report for 2017. Wasn't that tremendous? I want to thank my team at Podfly Productions, David Myers, Ein Kadena, and David Gregerson. And just a reminder that I'll have all the generous information that Katie shared on the show today under the show notes for this episode on the Still Growing Podcast on the menu at my website at sixfootmama.com. That's the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A.com. And don't forget, I'd love to see you in the Still Growing Podcast group on Facebook. It's a place where you can connect with other listeners of the show, guests of the show, share your garden stories, and continue to learn and grow. And it's also where I pick lucky listeners for giveaways from my guests and sponsors. And we can stay in touch throughout the week, and I will be sharing my curated content for listeners of the show. So go ahead and check it out. Just look up Still Growing Podcast Group in Facebook. Until next week, I'd love to wish all of you a happy new year, drive safe, have fun, and we'll see you in 2017. Have a good week, everyone. Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling is a SixFootMama.com production made in lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota. Still Growing is a weekly gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow.